We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings. Two DraftKings shows this week, minier versions of the two. So if you're looking for the games on the Sunday slate, different show. So just go to me, Mayo Media Network, subscribe, obviously, and just find it up there too. It'll come out after the Saturday slate, which we're talking about today. Only doing this and not doing the combined slate, because both Millionaire Maker slates are the single day slates. There are a Saturday Sunday contest. If you want full details on those picks, write-ups, optimizer, ftndaily.com. Super cheap right now with only the playoffs left to go in the NFL season. Use code Mayo. Make that even cheaper on yourself. So go check that out at ftndaily.com. And as always, smash the like button to the video in the comment section. Give me your favorite single sleeper play, cheap play, on the Saturday slate this week. The three-game slate, which we're we'll be talking about with Jake Seeley from TheAthletic.com. My man, are you pumped for playoff football? I love six playoff games. It's great. <laughs> My wife hates it. I love it. Uh, I love it. I am actually having a great day. I know, I know you won't be able to see till afterwards because you can't see me while we're doing this video, but I have a Mets hat here, 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 my Gary Carter jersey. I'm wearing a Mets hat. Uh, I told you as soon as they got rid of the Wilpons, Steve Cohen's took over and Lindor trade. I'm happy. I'm a happy Mets fan for the first time in a decade. And I'm also thrilled that, yes, we have six games in a playoff slate. I, I'm actually playing both slates and then one of the both days one slate just for the fun of it. Although there's not much as much to play on that one, but I'm playing a ton. I, I, I love having six games out here. It's it's very fun for me. I'm actually going to dial down my exposure because it's two small slates. I'll play both slates, but golf is back. So I got a lot of money tied up in golf this week too. So I know. If, if golf is going well on like Saturday morning, I'll be like, oh, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll triple <laughs> down on some NFL, see what's going. That's how I lose all my money every week on DraftKings. Either way, what's more encouraging about the Mets? Them getting rid of the Wilpons, bringing in Cohen, being able to get all these players, or Tim Andercust not picking the Mets <laughs> to go to the World Series for the first time in five years? 
A hundred percent, Tim. Like they <laughs> they could still have the will ponds and still have not made this trade and still not have money to spend in free agency, which hasn't even happened yet. Not free agency hasn't happened, but the money spending, all those things, all of those are still outweighed by the fact that Tim is off the Mets. That's that's all that matters. Uh, he'll he'll figure out a way to get himself back on the Mets if they get off to a hot start. No, well, I will send him money. I will send him money to stay off the Mets. People say this all the time. He refuses to take anyone's money to not curse people. <laughs> I don't know why. He could do a cameo just doing that like, and make Buku's dollars just I, I, doing that, saying, like, I, I uncurse your team. I've told him, if you want to get a cameo from Pat Mayo, you just hit the description of this video and podcast. You can get, get in there. Very reasonable prices, too. I don't know why anyone would do it, but hey. I always respond to them. People you know, leave five-star reviews on it. They enjoy the cameos where I yell at their friends for them. Either way, running backs for this slate. Again, it's a six-game slate. Jonathan Taylor is the most expensive of all the running backs. $7,900. It's a $2,000 gap. What's three? Three-game slate. Three-game. What did I say? Six. Six teams on the three-game slate. Yes, that makes more sense. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, 7900 bucks, a $2,000 gap between him and Chris Carlson at 5900 Gibson, Ronald Jones, Cam Akers, J.D. McKissick, Naheem Hines, Zach Moss, and Leonard Fournette. Those are going to be your top nine. Carlos Hyde is 4400 if we want to talk top ten. That's usually what people do, talk, talk top tens, not top nines. In a slate where it's going to be very concentrated ownership, especially at positions, is there a way that you can get away from Jonathan Taylor? Like, what's the case against him, that the Bills get up by too much and it becomes a Naheem Hines game? Because if the Colts are going to keep this close, you're going to see tons of Jonathan Taylor in this game. And that, that's your real only argument here, is that that just gets away from him. Like, that's the thing is, they've been using more of him towards the end of the season. But even so, the only way you can paint a scenario where at 79 isn't even that bad of a price for how he's been playing, this, the only way to get away from Jonathan Taylor is if you stack the living hell out of the Bills passing game, which is fine. A lot of people are going to be doing that. But you do it and bring it back with Naeem Hines instead. Or you just bring it back with T.Y. Hilton or the receivers only. And maybe you play that play. But... Yeah, Jonathan Taylor feels like even if he is, uh, you know, I think that right now where I'm seeing some places might be thinking 40, 50 percent ownership. I, I, I more, still don't more, think more. It's, it's going to be more than that on this slate. Jonathan Taylor is going to be 75 percent. out. I, I, I don't really so? I, I don't really care about ownership in a slate like this, to tell you the truth. Like you're going to have there's so few options that you're more than likely going to double up with someone else. Just try to put the best foot forward and play the best team. If you're going to get like tricky somewhere else, it's probably not the high end fade. It's probably finding the Isaiah McKenzie from week 17. Probably not going to be Isaiah McKenzie this week, although it could be if Cole Beasley ends up <laughs> sitting here on Saturday. We'll see. But just trying to find that guy and getting it right, I think is more important than be like, well, I'm going to fade a chalky Jonathan Taylor. You almost have to play him. like, And you yes. can play him because all of the other running backs just aren't expensive enough. No, well, and that's the thing too is, and I hope that people aren't doing this and maybe they don't listen to me, but I just think it's so easy to, for a combined 13,000, Jonathan Taylor and Cam Akers. Like, I don't get why Cam Akers is at 5,100. He didn't have a high ankle sprain. That's my only belief. You don't get 20 plus touches coming off a high ankle sprain. And that was really the case. Like maybe a low ankle sprain, maybe it wasn't severe, like whatever it is, that doesn't make sense. We've never seen that happen. So you give him that kind of work, even though it was a disappointing work on a per touch basis, you give him that kind of work coming off a quote unquote high ankle sprain. And he's only 5,100 with still no, you know, no other option beside what Malcolm Brown had three touches in that game on the injury. So 
I, at 5,100, I think the easy, the running back to me for, if you're playing Saturday, I don't know how you get away from Taylor and Cam Akers. And that was just, you're done. You're done. Run, run back. No questions. The only way that you can end up getting away from them, if you quote unquote want to fade Jonathan Taylor, fade Cam Akers, it's not, I'm not playing Jonathan Taylor because, oh, I'm going to play Chris Carson because you know, fewer people are going to use Chris Carson and I'll save the money. I don't think it's a situation like that this week. What you would want to do is what you had mentioned before. Instead of playing Jonathan Taylor, you play Zach Pascal, Michael Pittman, Two, and T.Y. Hilton, two of those three, or Trey Burton, or whoever it is, you get your exposure to the Colts in just a completely different way, knowing that all four of those guys aren't going to break the slate for you, but three of them together, and hopefully it's not Jonathan Taylor who scores the touchdowns. It's not even <laughs> saying don't play Taylor, play Hines, just play neither of them, or play Hines and T.Y., like, like you said. That would be the only way to get off of that play, not just completely fade that side of the ball, because it's really the only team that I think you can realistically look at and say, hey, I'm not going to play any players from this side is Washington. I don't even believe that because there are guys on Washington I do want to play. Yeah, I don't think there's really much. I, I guess maybe if it's Wolford again. But again, I don't think Wolford's that big of a drop from Jared Goff or, you know, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. Cam Akers, even if you don't want the passing game, you know, that's the biggest thing. You know what? I don't like. I, I got to tell you, if you told me one team, like if you said, Pat, he came to me and said, Jake, there's out of these six teams, you have to pick one. You're not allowed to use anybody. It would actually be the Seahawks. I'm not paying that for Chris Carson because Chris Carson's just not getting the full work. And he's not even really worth that price with the way that he's been playing. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are so boomer bust. And I know that's kind of an argument for a tournament, but Tyler Lockett has first game in how long DK Metcalf has been doing none of the, and it's because of Russell Wilson. It's because of this offense. It's because they're leaning on their defense and their run game that, for their prices, they're still not worth the risk that they seem to play when you have these other options. So, like I said, it's not that I'm completely off the Seahawks. It's just if you told me one team I wasn't allowed to, I'd rather use two or three guys on Washington than even touch the Seahawks right now. Hmm, that's really interesting. I hadn't really considered that, but that seems like it's going to be a very sluggish type game. It has the lowest projected point total at 42 and a half, the Bills and Colts being at 51, the Bucks and Washington being 44. And I think it really depends on how you think some of these games end up going. But Bills running backs, could you go there? Mm, I'd say maybe <laughs> if you hope that the Bills get out to a 30-point lead and then at Zach Moss for a touchdown or maybe two, it would only be Zach Moss. And even then, I don't really want to get involved with him, mostly because, for, go back to it, with Zach Moss, 500 more, I'll find a way to get the Cam Akers. If I really want to go, you know, go for a little bit of more touchdown upside, I'm going to chase more touchdown upside with Ronald Jones than I am with Zach Moss. So I, I've never really been that excited for Buffalo in DFS. You know, there was a couple of weeks where people asked if I have to play one in seasonal. It was Zach Moss. I told you, it was that Patriots week. I told you to go against the Patriots between the tackles. But outside of that, no, no Buffalo guys. I don't want the Washington guys, mostly because Gibson's not 100%. Tampa Bay destroys the run. They well, also destroy uh, pass, pass catching running backs, and they, I don't think McKissick's going to even I, I was going to say much. that they, they, they don't destroy pass catching running backs. They tend to give up a ton of receptions to pass catching running backs. And that's not that I, many. I, I no. thought, I, well, what is it for the year? Look, look at what they did. I think the highest receiving yards they've given up to a running back is like 40 or 50. I mean, I would take just 40, looking at this. I would take 40 or 50 from a receiving back. For, if it's from J.D. McKissick, that's like seven catches for him. No, looks so like, let's see. They've given up 42 to Brian Hill and 30. You know, it's the, actually, they haven't given up more than that 42. The previous high for that 
was 35 outside of week one, Camara 51, week two, Mike Davis, eight for 74. And then everybody after that is the 42 or lower. Well, I, I think that one of the Washington running backs is if you do want to get contrarian and find a way to get access to lower ownership on the slate, it's either McKissick or Gibson. I know Gibson's not 100%, although it does look like he's going to play, that all of a sudden, if he just finds the end zone twice, which is not out of the realm of possibility based on the type of work that he gets, it's a horrible matchup, I agree with you, especially on the ground. That's why I was thinking in my mind, hey, let's go to J.D. McKissick here. They're probably going to try to run and not be very successful at it. Then they're going to have to come out and do all these short dink and dunks to J.D. McKissick. That's just, I mean, that's how their offense works most weeks anyway when Antonio Gibson can't get going. But if he can find the end zone twice sure. or you get one of those five, six, seven catch games from McKissick, <laughs> which I don't, it, it really depends on how this game looks. Like if Tampa jumps out 17 nothing early, you're going to see a ton of McKissick in the receiving game. If it remains close the entire time, I, I can see Gibson getting his 20 touches. I don't know if they're going to be worth anything, but I do think that he's going to get volume. Yeah, my biggest thing, and I chuckled, and I'm not trying to like come after you, but the, the two touchdowns, it's, it's not happening. The only two people who have two touchdowns was McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara, and those were weeks one and two. Nobody's done it since, and it's been one, 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 and what, six times? Six other rushing touchdowns outside of, no, five other outside of those two. So I get, I understand what you're saying. I just, for me, that feels like a one in a hundred, one in a thousand chance that Gibson scores twice. That's all. But, Let's say he only scores once. He could still end up as a top two, top three running back on the slate if he does find okay. the end zone once. Because I don't know how much we can really glean from last week when he played, when he was still very clearly hurt, that his role was really diminished versus what it had been before he actually sustained the injury. That's certainly fair. And I'm also looking at the running backs that scored a touchdown against them, and it's Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara a second time, Dalvin Cook, David Montgomery, and Wayne Gallman. Of all people. So maybe he's Wayne Gallman in, in that game. There you go. Wayne Gallman, 12 for 44 with a touchdown for 12.2 fantasy points. So there, yeah, there you go. That'd be top three or four guaranteed running back. Eh, I don't know about that even on this slate because you're going to find someone who gets like a junky touchdown along the way. Well, just even to go back and look through their schedule, let's see here. Against the Falcons, they can't run the ball. The Lions, I mean, they were down the entire game. They're not going to be running the ball. The Falcons can't run the ball. Dalvin Cook has the touchdown. The Chiefs don't run the ball. The Rams one is the especially weird one because the Rams were ahead in that game for a lot and were not able to do it. How did they end up how did they end up breaking down in terms of running back distribution? They barely ran the ball five in that for, game. They just basically said, yeah, fuck it. Five for Akers, three for Brown, and eight for Henderson. Henderson was eight for five in that game. And Cup had 145 receiving yards. Woods had, Woods had 130 receiving yards. Well, in that see, game. and that's the thing. You you said Atlanta can't run. That's Tampa Bay is so the, the Atlanta defense was good against the run, and it was compounded by the fact they were so piss poor, terrible against the pass. Tampa Bay is great against the run and they're also mediocre against the pass so it's a similar effect with a little bit of different strength distribution so the same thing holds here is if you're looking at it too let's go through the out the entire season i have it on my screen you know how many people ran the ball more than 12 times against them three latavius murray christian mccaffrey and dalvin cook that's it so to go back to your argument, I guess when you look at it that way, if you're going to say 20 touches for Gibson, maybe one touchdown isn't the worst thing to try and hope for. It's looking at the schedule because everybody passes against them because they also get points put up against them because the Buccaneers score so easy that you're also hoping for, like, I think your play comes 
to make sense if you play Gibson in the Washington defense and you hope Washington gets after Brady, creates the narrative we know that Brady struggles under pressure, and you get a close 20-17 to 17 game where the Washington defense pays off and it comes back with Gibson. Is there any cheap running back, like, below – geez, who would be the lowest here? Like, Henderson's on IR. Like, Malcolm Brown and down. So, 4100 or $4,000 that you could envision <laughs> playing? Because I, I just don't see anyone. Unless, no. unless Gibson – and even I, I guess the cost is not even prohibited with it because, like – if Gibson was out, Peyton Barber would get a little bit more run. Now, he's absolutely terrible, but it's not like his $4,000. I mean, I, I would rather play Fournette at forty-five. you know what I mean? I'd rather play Carlos right. Hyde for $400 more. And I don't no, like those I wouldn't guys. Even go to, I wouldn't even go down to Malcolm Brown, mostly because that use last week told me all I need to know about it is that Cam Akers being hurt and still you barely touch the ball. That that's and it was again, it wasn't like 12 carries for Akers and two for Malcolm Brown. It was 20 something freaking carries and th- two or three for Malcolm Brown. So, no, I'm not even going down to Malcolm Brown. Like the person I would stop at is what you just mentioned would probably be Fournette and just hoping that, you know, Ronald Jones fumbles early and all of a sudden it's a Fournette game. And that's even just that's the dart throw. I wouldn't even do that, honestly. Uh, Points per dollar, if we're talking about optimizers, and once again, if you want to go use the optimizer at ftndaily.com, get yourself code Mayo, get yourself a discount on all of that. These things really do come in handy this time of year. Do you know who the number one and two, I'll give this away, the number one and two values, points per dollar at running back are this week? Uh, I would say Cam Akers and Jonathan Taylor. It's McKissick and Gibson together. Really? Yeah. Just because the pass catching prowess that they could potentially bring, their floors are very elevated. I'm looking at median projections. I'm not looking at uh, ceiling projections. Okay. That's certainly fair. Again, you know, the McKissick one, honestly, for me, I think that one, it just, for my opinion, makes the least sense. And I'm not saying like the, the optimizer is wrong or the, just we're sitting here talking about it. And the McKissick scenario is if this game gets away from them, they have to pass to catch up. But even then, with the way that Alex Smith and potentially getting replaced at times by Heineke because we don't know if he's 100% throughout the game, it's just McKissick hasn't even been seeing like a consistent volume even when they've been down later in the year with Gibson. With and without Gibson, has been a different effect here. So I don't even know that the Gibson, even if I say the Buccaneers score 30-plus, like McKissick just doesn't still feel as good as the Naeem Hines scenario that we're painting. So for you, Taylor, Akers, maybe someone else in the flex if you want to go to. But those are the two you're going down with? Hines or Ronald Jones. I would stick to those four running backs only. All right, let's move to receiver. And when we think about stacking, we can kind of put quarterbacks into the same mix too. But what's the incentive to not use either the entire Bills passing game or the entire <laughs> Bucks passing game? I was laughing because I knew exactly where you were going with this. I, I don't know what the incentive is because – go back to Russell Wilson. This is a completely different team in the second half of the season. It's also the Rams who have shut him down and shut them down consistently. Not every single time. So again, maybe one out of 10 times it happens. It works for you, but Ramsey has been amazing. That secondary has been amazing. Uh, DK Metcalf entire Lockett, even if they do hit, I, I, where's, can you really see Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf all hitting the same game? I can't see it. You're not playing Alex Smith. You're not, screwing around with golf and Wolford. So oh, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily hate Wolford because he's $4,900. Really? Not that you need the savings this week. Cause it's a very soft week. That's in why pricing. the way that I would think about it is based on what I saw from him last week, 
his rushing upside does present an interesting element where he could potentially score two rushing touchdowns. Not to say that he will or he'll score one, but, you know, six for 56. Like, he's looking to take off. And the way that McVay is running this offense with him, if it is going to be him, is that they're getting him on the move early. And if he sees a running lane, he's going to take it. And I think, especially if Jamal Adams ends up sitting in this game, that there are going to be running lanes for him. Instead of trying to force it into coverage and potentially getting picked off, he's just going to put his head down and run. And that's very valuable as a standalone quarterback. You might not even have to pair him up with anyone because the way his path to score and break the slate in fantasy points is actually rushing, not so much passing. And so there's two things here. So one is you remember last week's show and I did it and it actually paid off. I did the Mason Rudolph lineup for that reason. I did the Mason Rudolph because it cost nothing. And I brought it back with Deontay Johnson. And unfortunately I did Claypool as, you know, kind of thinking there we wouldn't see a ton of Juju Smith-Schuster yeah. or wait, no, it was Claypool and James Washington is what it was. So Claypool hit, but Washington did not because I didn't think of Deontay. Anyway, point being, the second part of what you said is why I, I, I really, it's not even if Wolford starts, why I'm kind of, cause you don't need to, I guess you can, if you want to throw out a lineup to what you're saying, and maybe it is the slate breaker because nobody's really using them. But the second part of what you said is you don't really need to is why I wouldn't really do it. But at the same time, the fact that you don't need to do it means that people aren't going to do it. Are going to do it? Yeah, that part of it makes sense. If you are trying to galaxy brain this three-game slate, (laughs) when I I look down at the cheaper quarterbacks, because, I mean, just put it out here. Allen, Brady, or Wilson. Pick one of those three. And frankly, it's probably not even Wilson. It's Allen or Brady. I prefer Josh Allen. You can afford him at 7,500 bucks. Just just use Josh Allen. But if you want to play multiple lineups or try to get tricky, I prefer the upside of Wolford over Alex Smith for sure. And I think I could see a game where Rivers throws four touchdowns. I just don't think that's happening in the cold against the Bills. And I would agree with you there. So again, but this might all be a moot point and it just ends up being golf anyway. Would you play golf? No. No, just straight up no. He's no, because he's Jared Cook. He's you know, it doesn't matter if it's a good or a bad opponent, shows up sometimes, doesn't show up other times because he has it in him and just depending on what he feels like that day or whatever's going through his head, it's it's wildly unpredictable. I guess if you really want to, but for that reason, you know, Woods is 62, Cup is 6,000. You stack them with golf because that's the way you would play it. You would play golf with both of them because you're not screwing around trying to figure out which tight end it's going to be. And most of the weeks, it's not even either one of them. So you play that, and, you know, wh- what are you bringing it back with? That's my question is, are you bringing it back with DK or Lockett? It just it feels like it's so many, like, if this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. Then, and these all these scenarios, which don't really often happen with the Rams and Seahawks in this kind of scenario. So I guess you could, but this would be like a one out of 50 lineup for me. Weirdly, uh, if it was Wolford, I think you could stack him with Cam Akers, especially with the way that everything yes. broke down last week, where you just basically say, hey, I don't think they're going to pass for anything here. I think it's going to be all rushing. You hope that Wofford ends up getting in. But I mean, Cam Akers led that team in receiving last week. <laughs> Right, so it's like the the second Taysom Hill game where it was Taysom and Kamara in the second one. That was right. That's the second one. Yeah, and normally, I mean, the millionaire maker was one with Kirk Cousins and Alexander Madison being played together in Week 17, and on a more condensed slate, I don't think you need to think about as much correlation as you normally would. You want to get it going. Like, if you play Russell Wilson, the move probably is to take one of Lockett or Metcalf and pair them with one of... David Moore or Greg Olson's going to be Greg Olson's back, right? 
<laughs> I think he's back, but I don't. It doesn't really or matter. like, like one of David Moore or Olson or whoever, uh, Walt Disley, Hollister. Like, just pick <laughs> one of these jabronis and roll them out too, and just hopefully they're the one who catches the touchdown, and then you're good. All right. It's just that's just so many, like one percent chances of happening that yeah but you're just, but it's, it's a lot it's much. a lot different if you're playing a double up versus playing in the millionaire maker slate here too like a, a one in one thousand chance is fucking fantastic considering you need a one in one hundred and seventeen thousandth chance to win <laughs> i still but like the op the option like the opportunity for that lineup to hit also and that like they, you're just playing that as in nobody else has it kind of it's not really like it makes that much sense it's not that nobody else has it is you can afford a certain team with that. So you can play that lineup or a version of that lineup. And then you don't need to get tricky anywhere else. You can just play the guys that you expect to be really good. And then that can help differentiate your team just a little bit. And then you just need yeah. David Moore to catch a touchdown. I have a version to that lineup. <laughs> okay. How about that? Fair enough. You I like think... that wordplay. <laughs> yeah, I do actually. The, <laughs> Biggest differentiator that you can make on this slate is finding the cheap receiver who hits. And I think that's where if you do, instead of trying to find the running back, like the Peyton Barbers of the world, or hope that it's a Fournette game over a Ronald Jones game, instead of trying to make that decision at receiver, can you go into the $3,000 range and accurately pluck someone from down there into your lineup who has the game that actually does separate the slate from everyone else do you have a lean on who that could be is it like we don't know for sure that cooper cup is going to play in this game he should play in this game but i I, that's the one thing about all yeah but it's one thing about all these covid guys is some guys seem to be relatively unaffected and other guys continue to have problems i don't know how cooper cup is actually doing if it's not him then you could think about a reynolds or a van jefferson but could it be scotty Miller could it be Michael Pittman like which one of these guys well, do you think he would go to so when you bring up Sky Miller if I'm going this route I would not put it into the final game if I'm going for the 3,000 guy hit I'm going for your most I would like it to be the first game and if it's not it worse to be the second game because that's how you kind of find out your leg up if you're doing it in the final game you're just kind of doing it to be a differentiator at that point so for me if I'm going to the first game I think Cole Beasley or John Brown are both interesting. Cole Beasley obviously isn't the 3,000. Uh, actually, what is he? 47 for Brown and 53 for... So those aren't those aren't 3,000 guys, but those could be some differentiators right there. But, but yeah, I am going to the 3,000. It would be Pascal because the slot's a little bit more vulnerable for the Bills, and Pascal spends a lot more time in the slot than anybody else for this team. And then to your question for the second game, it would be Reynolds. Uh, even if Cup plays because... To your point of what is Cup going to be like coming back from this game? And Reynolds could still hit anyway, even if Cup is out there the entire time. We saw towards the end of the season, as they did last year, that Cup and Reynolds were mixing and matching coming off the field. And sometimes Reynolds was out there and Cup wasn't even playing. So my choices would be Pascal and Reynolds and, you know, maybe, you know, David Moore. But I don't, I, again, I don't want anybody really with the Seahawks. Those would be my two. And again, I would try to do it before the night game because I want to do it knowing I hit it early because that opens yourself up to more options later than making that your final option to make in the night. 
That That's a really well said point that if you get your sleeper out of the way in the first game or potentially even in the second game, then you know what you actually have to do in the final game by utilizing the light swap on DraftKings. That if your sleeper hits early and you've differentiated yourself at running back, then you can say, hey, I, I actually have a leg up on everyone right now. I can go from Antonio Gibson onto Cam Akers, who's just a safer play, even if he is higher on, because everyone is now trying to catch up to me. I, I think that makes a right. lot of sense. Great. Yeah, that's exactly right. So, Pascal. I like Pascal, 37. Um, Tampa receivers, do you have a lean on who you should? Because like, everyone's going to use Diggs, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think that Diggs is going to be... Would you think 60%? I'd say I'd probably I'd say, say more. And I would not... Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are going to be the two most commonly used players in all of these games. Just because the, the Indianapolis defense, well, is perceived as good... It's not to the level where there's enough people out there, I think, that believe that Washington's defense is going to rattle Brady a little bit. That just the, it's, it's an easier yeah. path to more points for Allen. Uh, and that makes a lot of sense. So one of the first lineups I built, and I still have this one, uh, To you're asking about Tampa Bay. I, I would go Evans. And there's multiple reasons here. I like Gronk, too. Uh, I know we're not talking about tight ends yet, but... The, the utilizing the late swap scenario here is the reason I did this lineup because this is what it makes a lot of sense is Mike Evans is actually in my flex because of how I built this team because I have Evans Gronk in the Bucks defense because I think that Gronk and Evans probably going to be more chalk than the rest of the options especially in this game where if I get to the night game and all of a sudden I am behind and these are chalk options as we expect with Mike Evans if he's healthy obviously it, the practice reports are going to play into that but Continue with the point. Mike Evans, Gronkowski, Buccaneers defense. Pretty chalky options. Get to the night game, I'm behind. Well, now I come back to what we talked about before. I switch. I go to Gibson. I go to Washington defense. And now I pay up maybe for McLaurin or I, you know, I swap another percent, you know, depending on what the roster my roster is. But that's where I switch to the Washington side because they are priced high enough that I can still go back to Gibson and McLaurin or maybe, the, you know, whatever to say. So you understand what I'm saying with my point. Yes, I do. Uh, would you go to Gabriel Davis in the Bills game? Because he seems to be. No, he got the cheap touchdown in week 17 from Berkeley, of all people. But whether John Brown plays or not, there does seem to be enough packages on the field where they go four wide where he could be out there he's only four thousand bucks i with john brown playing i don't think the people are going to play him i don't know that my, my concern is this if cole beasley is back is it isaiah mckenzie or gabriel davis every single time they go four wide i think that gabriel davis seems to be the obvious one especially for his usage so far but now with Cole Beasley being out there, I would be more interested. Again, I'd be more interested in either one of them to your four wide point if Beasley remains out. If Beasley's back, I I don't really know if I want to get involved. They, what are their opportunities going to be? Three targets? And I know the argument is, well, they hit the one and they get the touchdown. But that seems like such a desperation play for me. See, it, it, on this sort of slate, that does not feel like a desperation play. That, that's, that's almost a play that you need to make somewhere. And whether it's Gabriel Davis, whether it's Cam Sims or Zach Pascal, one of these guys, you have to pick your poison with one of them. I don't think we have to for what we've talked about. If this was, you know, if we weren't getting the pricing that we are, like the pricing is balanced enough. but, But it's not about the pricing because the pricing is balanced enough. The chances of you having a duplicate team with someone else is so high on this sort of slate where it's very concentrated around two teams that everyone's going to go to. 
And I understand that, and I understand the point behind it, but if you call me stupid to say it, but I just don't feel like I feel like we're probably going to see a couple different tournaments where you end up where two or three teams end up splitting the top prize. And I'd rather split the top prize with two or three people than to finish 650th because I played as I McKenzie when I didn't need to. And that that's that's where I'm going with it. Well, like I told you, I, I lost uh, a split of the showdown contest on the Saints-Vikings game because I decided to play Ty Conklin over Irv Smith, and I would have been in the split. Right. Instead, I won like 30 bucks instead of See, 20K. And that, that's where I'm leaning. And I, I understand, I'm not saying your point is wrong, but that's where I'm leaning, and that's a perfect example. And sometimes it goes the opposite direction. If I would have played Conklin, what was the week before that? If you would have went Conklin instead of Irv Smith, it would probably went the other direction. So it kind of just depends on how it plays out. You can make an argument for both, I think. Uh, do you have any interest in the Washington receiving game? Like, is McLaurin... I, McLaurin, McLaurin would be the only one. McLaurin, so Cam Sims would just be off? He gets usage. He really does. He does. But in this game... Uh, why are you going to try to talk me into Cam Sims? <laughs> it's just... I mean, I don't want to. I, just... I don't want to talk you into Cam Sims, but do we think that McLaurin's going to be 100%? No. No, but even not 100% last week, he had a solid game. It wasn't great, but... If he can do that with another full week of getting in limited practices and just getting healthier, he's probably still not 100%. But if I'm going to go down this road, I just I would like to get to McLaurin. I guess this is such a big price difference. See that? Like I said, you're going to kind of half talk me into Cam Sims now because there's such a big gap between them and the price. If you're going to go for the, the problem is, is if I'm going to the 3000 range, I'm going to go back to my point that I said earlier is I've already played my $3000 range in the early game or two so i think that's why cam sims wasn't even in my mind at this point it's fair i think john brown is a guy i'm just gonna go lock button on i just don't feel like people are gonna play him uh i, I don't know it, it, it depends i think it depends because in the fantasy community he has such a loving following that i don't know i can see this going would you here's one for you would you play two tight ends would you go gronk and thomas I think that you can. Um, they're going to be by far the two highest owned, obviously. I think I would rather, if I was going to play two tight ends, that's where I would, because that's going to be a unique build anyway. That's probably where I would try right. to get a bit tricky and use one of the Colts tight ends. If I could figure out which one that was going to be, whether it's Burton <laughs> or Doyle. And then they need to go three for 40 with the touchdown, and I have a huge advantage on everyone else. And it is the early game. I'm gonna. I was pulling it up this Give me a second to find out. Do you remember what the snap counts were for them last week? I feel like Doyle's moved back into the front, but I could be wrong about that. I didn't even look at it, tell you the truth. <laughs> I'm going to check real quick. to Because that's the one thing is knowing who's out there running the routes the most between the three of them. Although I guess Trey Burton could run one in. I mean, then so you, let's see. But, but you also had like uh, Higby ended up with more receptions and yardage, but Everett was highly targeted in that game. Now that was without Cup from Walford, but I thought that was somewhat interesting. That is interesting. So, yeah, so Doyle ran 13, Burton ran 9, Cox ran 4. Doyle was the only one to get targeted last week. Hmm. That was a game so where they were also Doyle. leading mode. They ran a bunch last <laughs> week that if they fall behind in this game, I'd be curious. That, that would be a very interesting splits tool to find out. I'm sure it exists out there somewhere. I just don't know about it that, hey, let's look at snap counts when a team is trailing by seven points. Who then? What was the game? What was the week before that? That was the Pittsburgh game, right? But that was, was all. But that was also a game where they were leading most of the game. I know. I'm trying to think. That, well, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to backtrack to where they were behind in my mind. So, no. Nah, well, 
they yeah, well they but they blew that game at the end, so that doesn't really help, does it? No. That that's the thing. Like Tennessee was the last Tennessee was the last game. What week was that? Week twelve. And watch, they're probably they probably weren't all on the field that week, so it's gonna screw that up anyway. Yeah, I they don't got destroyed in that game. I don't remember exactly who played and who didn't play for them that week. Oh, they all did. They they all ended up playing. Yeah. All right, so let's 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 go see here. Allie Cox had twenty three rounds, Burton had twenty one, but ah, that was Doyle's coming back game. He only had nine. Yeah, there you go. So it's going to be impossible to decipher. Throw it, yeah, throw it out the window. <laughs> Perfect. Excellent news. That's just just fantastic. Who have we seen as the best value? Wasted your time. <laughs> uh, Gerald Everett actually projects out to be the best value here. Could you skip? Is there any chance that you would skip on Diggs and try to use a lineup that was like Brown, Beasley, and Dawson Knox? Uh, you had me until Dawson Knox. I'm just trying to find like if it's not going like if you're not going to play Gronk or Logan Thomas, who is the third option on this slate that you could potentially play? Mm, I would say one of the Rams, Higby or Everett, as you mentioned. I think I would go. I, mean, with I guess Everett. Dawson Knox, and you hope and just you hope for the touchdown. But yeah, and Everett Everett's three four hundred dollars cheaper than Higby is, so I would just go for the cheaper option on top of it anyway. I, you know what? If Greg Olson wasn't back, I don't think J- Jacob Hollister would be the worst at 2,700, but the Greg Olson being back screws that up. How about Greg Olson? There's your Seahawk. <laughs> uh, does, it, could it be a Jack, Ol- Jack Olson game? Jack Olson, <laughs> Greg Olson game. <laughs> Jack Doyle, God bless America. Uh, <laughs> All right, Jack he, Doyle he, game. he had a, I guess... Greg Olson didn't play in week 17 or he just did nothing in week 17. He had one catch in week 16 against the Rams. Impressive stuff. 15 yards and everything. So was he out there last week? Is that what you're saying? I, I don't know if he was out there or not. I was just looking at box score and he didn't pop up, but that doesn't mean that he didn't play. Now I have to go. He could have been out there and just, well, I, would, I gotcha. I, I, I don't know if they looked at it and said, you're healthy enough to play. We know you're coming back off injury. Why don't you sit this one out? We, we it could be because he didn't even have a snap. Yeah, then that would probably be the most likely case. Then, so he's probably going to play. But if not, quarterbacks very quickly. Like if you're not gonna <laughs> like try to galaxy brain yourself, play Josh Allen or Tom Brady. Yeah, that's the. Easy, I don't know why. Yeah, unless you like you said galaxy brain. I think that's the best way to put it. And if it's anybody, I I didn't mind your Philip Rivers point. Uh, because then I, you I, I would get st- away from the job. I, I, I would still rather probably rather play John Wolford if he ends up starting for forty nine hundred bucks. Sure, with the but if outside. Jared Goff is out there, you're Philip Rivers about throwing three or four touchdowns, and then you stack the T Y Hilton, Zach Pascal. Hopefully, you get the right tight end, and then or even you know screw the tight end, go Naeem Hines instead, and then that's your way if you wrote out the Jonathan Taylor game. There you go. Yeah, and even if you like, like I said about the points projected like the the over under in this game is seven points higher than the next closest game like you can still play your all your bills receivers that you want and still just run it instead of with allen run it with rivers and play like you said the ty hilton and the zach pascals and just hopefully this is where all the points are at on saturday because i i mean i like washington to beat tampa bay i know it's not like a hot take by any means they're nine point dogs i think the move would be i wonder what it equals out to if i take the plus nine and i take the under no it's still better just about the money line the money line is plus 350 <laughs> if i parlay, because if washington covers this game the under is most definitely hitting right <laughs> oh absolutely that's the yeah i think that's the only outcome is that if they cover the under hits my biggest concern is how do you beat tampa bay uh well they're not equipped to do so 
is I think you would beat Tampa Bay by scoring more. Uh, if they have the defense to keep them low, yes, get after Tom Brady. That's what you want. Create pressure. A bad Tom Brady game. My biggest concern is what does the Washington offense do to win this game is what I should have said. And that's where the problem comes into play because it's not going to be through the quarterback. It's going to be through the run game. And that's what Tampa Bay shuts down is the run game. So that's where my concern comes into Washington on the betting side of things. But you're right. If you are betting the under or you're betting Washington to cover, you're betting the under as well. That just goes hand in hand. I just envision this game playing out a lot like the Tampa Bay at Chicago game, the Tampa Bay at Giants game. It's just nighttime game, a team that can generate a lot of pressure on Brady. Just maybe the I, I think the the Bucks are currently not that they're a bad team by any means. They can definitely win the Super Bowl. But I think they're currently being overrated for beating the shit out of Atlanta twice in Detroit the past <laughs> three weeks. I'm actually looking at the weather right now to see. So hopefully it's as cold as possible. Not that Brady can't play in the cold, obviously, but it just it affects. Obviously, uh, it's going to be 34. Perfect and clear. Perfect. I like it. So, it's it's past Tom Brady's bedtime too, so it's tough. <laughs> He's got to go make sure he got kisses his kids on the lips before they go to bed. That really bothers you, doesn't it? <laughs> it's just weird to me. Well, you know, when you have kids, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me. It's just, it's just weird to see. All right. Uh, the other way that you can differentiate yourself on this slate is find the one defense that goes absolutely off and make sure you have them. Can I tell you who that is? <laughs> I, I can't actually, but who would be your best bet? I think, is it not obviously the Buccaneers and the bills are the two that have the highest upside to do that? I would say no. I mean, Washington, I was going to say Washington or the Rams. I don't think the Rams are going to get that much. I think Russell Wilson's too smart. If this ends up being a 17 to nine game, it's just still, I don't think Russell Wilson's going to be doing enough to where that really pays off. The Colts defense is interesting in the off the one in 10 chance that Josh Allen reverts back into being turnover prone Josh Allen, which he has not been this year, but maybe you know, you ratchet <laughs> so 2018 up. Josh Allen. Or, you did, or, you, or Josh Allen from the first round of the playoffs last year, where maybe the playoffs are just, you know, the pressure gets to him. He starts doing really stupid things. I don't know. They were dancing out there today with, uh, what was it too legit to quit or something like that? So he, I don't think he has any pressure this year. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on. They, they have expect- Stephon Diggs, huge difference in this team. Josh Allen did try to like lateral the ball backwards for no reason in the playoff game <laughs> last year. Remember that? <laughs> I don't remember, but again, I, I think this is a completely different version of this team and including Josh Allen. And I'm not saying that Stefan Diggs made it easier for him in every facet of the game, but it's a big difference when you bring somebody. It's what you and I talked about this offseason from a seasonal perspective is they did the smart thing of what the Panthers did with Cam Newton towards the end of Cam Newton's Panthers career is they said, oh, Guess what? When you have somebody who has inaccuracy struggles, don't give them six, five dudes who can't move. Give them guys who can get open better than anybody else. And they did that and they brought in Stefan Diggs. And with Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley, John Brown wasn't even really a factor most of this year. And you saw how great Josh Allen played. And a lot of it's his own credit, but a lot of it's what they did with the team around him. All right. That will do it on the Pat Mayo Experience Saturday slate on DraftKings for NFL Wild Card weekend once again if you want to get access to both day picks all the expert picks the optimizer the projections the ownership projections go to ftndaily.com use code mayo get yourself the discount if you want to hear about the three game sunday slate stick on mayo media network subscribe and like the episode tell me your favorite sleeper in the comment section because jake and i 
We'll be back then. I'm Pat Mayo. I'll see you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.